Hello, my friends. So good to see you guys. Happy Easter to everyone. We're so glad uh, that you're here. We're going to get you out hopefully before the rain uh, takes off, but uh, my lungs will be forever grateful for that rain. So we're so glad that you're here. If you're watching online, uh, however you're watching, we're glad you're there as well. So welcome. Uh, it, it is the story of Easter, and it's really this simple, all right? The cross itself was temporary. The grave was momentarily, but the resurrection is for eternity. And that's what we're here to celebrate today. And throughout history, people have tried to debunk this story. All the Romans had to do was produce a body. You need to understand the Roman government was very similar to the Nazi government in the 20th century. They didn't lose bodies. It wouldn't have happened. They even posted two of the most vicious warriors, two centurions, to guard a tomb. Think about that. A 2,000-pound rock in front of the tomb with two soldiers just in case. Okay? And we'll talk about all that as, as it unfolds. But we're going to look at John chapter 20 and the resurrection today so you can get your Bibles out. But I want to explain to you how we feel about the Bible. All right? You know that I believe the Bible is inspired. Every word of it's from God from cover to cover. Here's a little bit why. If you want to get a screenshot, you're welcome. There are 66 books, 40 different writers, almost 1,500 years, and over 10,000 events take place. There's one story, a unity of theme throughout, no contradictions, 40 writers, 15 centuries, and yet one author, and that is God himself. The Bible describes itself this way, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit of God. So if you believe the Bible's the Word of God, you want to say amen with me and we'll get started. All right? So we're going to look at the resurrection. And if the resurrection is possible, if Jesus raised from the dead, the rest of the book's easy. Virgin birth, creation. So that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that everything hinges on the resurrection. He says, without the resurrection of Christ, we have no faith. There are 4,700 different religions, and their founders are all dead. Only one has a risen Savior, and there's two and a half billion people around the world celebrating with you and me today about this victory that Jesus gave us over the cross. All right, now this is my fourth time around. Do you want the joke or not? It's not that good. You know, I can, we're used to it. All right. Well, here's the deal. It's for my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is 94 years old. She, her name is Mary Lou. She just moved into a skilled nursing facility here about a mile from us. Has broken both hips, and but mentally she's very sharp. I went over and tuned her phone in so that she wouldn't miss me. You know what I'm saying? I, I, didn't, I didn't want that to happen. And she said, you tell that joke, Joe. I said, okay, all right, so here we go. So we went by the skilled nursing facility, and there's a sign that says, do not feed the wild animals. And I thought, oh, wild animals, what could possibly be around here? The second time I was there, I see this giant raccoon sitting in front of the sign, which I thought was funny. But I took my wife over there the other day, and there's my mother-in-law who's rolled herself in her, in, her, in her wheelchair. She's rolled herself outside, and she's face-to-face -face with an obseminal lion. Now, if you don't know what an assimilal lion is, it looks like this, all right? Now, it's a very rare lion. 
and of a seminal lion. Uh, they're rare in Africa because they're only found in the mountains of Ethiopia. And what distinguishes them is this black mane. Normal lions have golden manes, uh, but the seminal lion, and my wife seems to have lost this. You, you seem to not care a whole lot either. But, um, but this seminal lion is face to face with my mother-in-law. And my wife just doesn't seem to be overly worried. And she's standing there going, Joe, what, what, what are we going to do? And this lion's 150 pounds heavier than the average African lion, just to give you perspective. And finally, Luann said, Joe, you've got to do something. I said, listen, the lion got himself into this, and the lion can get himself out of it. <laughs> For you, mama. <laughs> I'm taking her to lunch later. It'll all be good. It's all good. Okay, one more thing. Uh, the regular offerings are in the back. Thank you guys for your faithful tithes and offerings. If you would like to contribute to our Easter offering in front of you, there are colored uh, Easter-colored type envelopes. Uh, what we're specifically giving to for Easter is Bibles. Um, we do believe the Bible is the word of God and people are hungry right now. Uh, the nation of Iran may not be the place you would think would be begging for Bibles, uh, but the average age in Iran, something like 26 years old, and they are hungry for Christianity, begging for Bibles, as well as check this out, our prison ministries and our high schools and colleges. And so any money that you put in the envelope and then put it in the bucket, every dime of that will go just to buy Bibles, and we'll give you updates on that later, okay? So John chapter 20, if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, we're going to get started here. <clears throat> it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now, John is writing this, so he's referring to himself in third person, okay? But notice the humanity, okay? It's the word of God, but God leaves our personality in it. So John says, and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Oh, he's not done yet. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple, that would be me, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Wow. And reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who'd reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. You can be seated. Because without the resurrection, Jesus is just another teacher, another prophet, another great leader. But it is the resurrection that proves himself to be God in the flesh, proves himself to be the Messiah. And that's why we're here celebrating today. <coughs> but the first, the first amazing thing I want to point out to you is what our faith is completely built on. It's this. It's empty. It's empty. John went to see an empty tomb. Peter went to see an empty tomb. Mary and the other women, they went to see 
an empty tomb. And to this day, if you go to Jerusalem, to the church of the Holy Sepulchre, there are people, I guarantee you today, they are lined up. They line up 15, 17 wide for four, five, six hours to go into the tomb of Jesus. About 95% certain that it's the right tomb. And I go up to the people in line. I'm like, hey, I got, I got news for you. It's empty. And I have been, I didn't wait, but I got an opportunity to go in there one time. And you know what's in there? Nothing. There's a rock slab and they got two candles sitting on each end. That's it. There's nothing in there. And that's what our whole faith is based upon. But what's interesting is the people in line are from all different faiths. They're all astonished by this story. And they all know there's truth in this story. And they all want to be there to grab something that's not there instead of having the relationship with the one who they can have the relationship with. See, our faith is not built on some statue or some picture or some painting. If Jesus would have come in the 1970s, we'd have taken a Polaroid picture of him and people would be worshiping the picture. But he came at a time where the only memory we have left is the empty tomb. Now, the Romans had to come up with something. So the Romans said, you got to say they stole the body. Okay. That's the, that's the only legitimate argument you could have. Here's the problem. <clears throat> We've got a few ragtag fishermen who are grieving seriously. We've got a few women. We've got a 2,000-pound rock that has to be moved. And we have two of the baddest Roman soldiers you've ever seen loaded with every weapon you can imagine guarding that tomb. And somehow we're to believe that those poor disciples overwhelmed those men, knowing, the Roman soldiers, knowing that if anything happens to that body, it will cost them their life. They, over, they overcome these two soldiers, they move the 2,000 pound rock, and they steal the body, and the Romans have no idea what happened. That didn't happen in the Roman Empire. When they get in the tomb, you'll notice that there's linen strewn everywhere. You see, Jesus burst right out of that. His physical body went, it was transformed into a spiritual body. The same thing is going to happen to you and me at the second coming of Jesus. We're going to leave this body, we'll leave our pants and shoes behind, and we will become spiritual bodies, Paul says, in the twinkling of an eye. But the problem people have is connecting that idea of the empty tomb to the risen Christ. In Romans chapter 6, it says, we were therefore buried with him... In baptism, in baptism you go under the water, you're dead for a moment, you come back up. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. <clears throat> That's the hope that Christians have had from the beginning of time is that because we've accepted Christ, we've repented of our sins, we've been baptized and we come up and we live for him, that one day we will be connected to the resurrected Christ. But Dostoyevsky, the great Ro Russian philosopher said, the best way to keep a prisoner from escaping is to make sure that they never know they're in prison. And there's so many people that just think because life is what life is that they don't need Jesus. They don't need that hope. They don't need that forgiveness. But the second part is the fun part is folded. 
How many of you know the story about the folded headpiece? I'm getting less every service. All right, well, a lot of people will know afterwards. Okay. So it's very interesting when John goes in, what he sees. He sees the grave clothes thrown everywhere, but then he sees the headpiece. Now the headpiece would have the same, same thing. It's cloths that would have been wrapped around a man who's been beaten, spit on, punched in the face, slapped, had a crown of thorns, and the thorn tree, the particular tree that they used to make these out of, the thorns are about that big. And they hurt just to touch them, let alone have somebody jam them down on your head. So there's blood all over these these cloths. But John notices the cloths. He noticed that one group is just thrown apart and the headpiece is folded up neatly. Well, there's a reason. There's a reason John would notice this, okay? So first of all, if you were stealing a body, would you have taken time to unwrap it? Would you, would you, would you go through and unwrap the whole, all those cloths? Do you, do you want the disease? Do you want the death? And why would you take the time to do that? No, you'd just pick up the body and you'd go. Would you take time to fold the headpiece? No, you would pick the body up and you would go. Let me explain to you in Jewish culture what it meant. It's not unlike our culture today. When, <clears throat> When you were dining in a Jewish setting in the first century and you were going to come back to the table, you're going to go talk to somebody or you've got to excuse yourself, you would take your napkin and you would fold it up nightly, nicely beside your plate and you would place it there. Kind of like, kind of like that. I do this. I say to the waiter, don't touch my plate. All right. That's, that's, that's how I keep my steak from, Walking away. When I'm finished, the plate will be empty. That will be your clue that you can come get it. But in Jesus' time and in Middle Eastern culture, they would keep serving food. If you clean your plate, they're going to give you more food. So how you would signal that you're finished is you would take the napkin and just throw it down beside the plate. So mine would have tomato sauce and ketchup and whatever else on it. And I would take it and I would just throw it down beside. But when you folded it up, that was a sign to the waiter that I'm coming back. I'm not finished yet. John couldn't have missed that if he'd have tried. No Jewish believer in the first century could have ever missed that. The idea that the folded napkin meant that he would be back. Nobody could have missed that. And yet, how often do we miss it? You know, they did a study recently on squirrel brains. How I need to write one of these grants. I need to get this money. But I mean, how big can a squirrel brain be, right? But they wanted to find out how well the squirrel's brain worked. And they found out that when squirrels hide nuts, they find, they can find 90% of the nuts they hid for up to two years. That's pretty amazing. Now my brain hopefully is bigger and works a little better than a squirrel brain. But it's amazing how we can sit in church or read our Bible or go to a Bible study and then we can walk out the door and treat our spouse a certain way or somebody out driving on the road or whatever story you'd like to add in there, how quickly we forget. 
And that's why God gave us this corporate gathering so we could remember. It's why he gave us an empty tomb to remember. It's why we have the image of a cross to remember in our head. It's not the, any of that is for our worship, but it is a reminder. That napkin there is a reminder to us that I'll be back. Because the biggest lie, and Peter told, Peter said at the end times, what people are going to be saying is he kept telling you he'd be back. He kept telling you he'd be back. And where is he? Well, <clears throat> scripture says he's coming back in the twinkling of an eye. It's only going to happen once and it's going to happen like that. And there'll be no chance for anybody else to get a second chance. So now is that opportunity, which takes us to that <clears throat> last phrase. <clears throat> Jesus said two last, had seven things on the cross, but the last two things that he said, the last one was into your hands, I commit my spirit. But the one before that, he said, it is finished. It's finished. And you have a right to be wrong. And a lot lot of people in the world do, but I'm going to tell you what it means. The word that is used there in Greek is testali. And what the word means is a legal term that means I have paid the debt in full. It means from Adam at the beginning to the very last person that will ever live, every sin, every thought, every deed, every action, the most horrible, corrupt, evil, perverted thing you can imagine, Jesus paid for it. He took it all on himself and it has all been atoned for. So you think about the worst person you know in your life. Probably everybody's got a list. Then you think about the worst people in history. Jesus' blood's for all of them. Whether they accept it or not, Jesus died for every one of them. So if you're here today and you're thinking, man, it's great for all these people, but they don't know my story. Listen, Jesus knew your story. And 2,000 years before you were born, he already paid the bill. All you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. Jesus, I want you as my Savior, my Lord. You repent, you're baptized, and you say, I'm going to follow you. And I'm telling you, he wipes away the old, and you start brand new. Isn't that good news, church? That's the hope that we all have. When Jesus... When Jesus said, it is finished, that is the message that we all hold on to. It won't be because Joe's going to earn it and be good enough. It's because Jesus already paid the legal bill. Let me finish with this. Scott Rowland, a farm boy from Indiana, and uh, played some baseball with some team in Philadelphia for a while. And then they traded him to the Cardinals where he became a star and won a World Series, had a great career. Um, this last year, he got elected to Baseball's Hall of Fame. Uh, 400 players, I think, maybe, in all of history have made the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's a big deal. It's a very temporary thing in this world, but it's a big deal. A little jealous. It should have been me and not Scott, but, you know, that's all right. But this is the picture that got me. <clears throat> when he got the phone call saying, Scott, you've been elected to the Hall of Fame, he was in the kitchen with his mother. And all I can think about is, I wonder how many thousands of Little League games she went to. How much did she sacrifice to keep him in bats and balls and shoes and everything else? And then to share that moment. Well, that's temporary. What's it going to be like when we walk into the arms of Jesus? 
What's it going to be like when you get there and not only are you with Jesus, but you see an uncle, a brother, a cousin, your parents, maybe some of you, your kids have already gone on. They're going to be surprised that you came because when they left, you weren't ready. And now they're going to get to experience the greatest moment in all of history, not because of us, but because of Jesus. So I'm going to put five lines up on the screen. I'm going to ask that we read those together and I'll be done. Here we go. He walked in heaven. He walked on water. He walked out of the grave. He walked over our sins. His name is Jesus. I bless you guys.